Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Just Want to Be Included. My name is Veronica Olson, and today my friend Chrissy joins me for another difficult conversation. Chrissy's daughter has dealt with severe mental health issues that have taken her and the family to different psyche ERs and inpatient hospitals in the state of Michigan. To put it nicely, there is room for improvement. The situations some of these kids and families find themselves in while trying to seek help is heartbreaking. As always, I ask that you listen with an open heart and mind. These are not easy conversations, but they are important. We need to find ways to provide better care and resources to those around us. Anything said in this podcast is based on personal experience, thoughts, and opinions. Nothing said should be taken as professional advice. Always look in your community for help to deal with whatever issues you or your family might be facing. Enjoy the episode. All right, today I have my friend Christy here with us. And today we're going to talk about a topic that is not an easy one. And it's specifically dealing with um, the psych ERs and hospitals in the state of Michigan. Uh, my friend Christy has a child who's been in and out of the system, has kind of rotated in and out. And it's been pretty shocking to watch um, how that's gone and how it's been dealt with and what's been available and what hasn't been available uh, to them as a family. And today we were specifically talking about minors with the psyche ER and the hospital system because that's what uh, Christy has experienced. Um, so keep in mind when we're having this conversation, we're talking about kids, people under 18. Um, who end up in the SAG ER and try to get help from there. So Christy, welcome. I'm very glad you're here today. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of conversations about this because it's it's really been a roller coaster going yeah. through this, like our, for our family, for me, for our child, um, and just figuring out how to navigate this system and how it works. So... Really, I wasn't familiar with the fact that there is even a psych ER until yeah. about a year and a half ago when we first went to it. Um, I didn't realize that there was a special place just to deal with mental health issues. And so just kind of a, um eye-opening to see that and see how it works. Um, having worked in healthcare myself... Um, I mean, I know what to expect in an emergency room. I know what to expect for an admission somewhere. But yeah. as far as mental health, it's a lot different. Yeah. And we've been, like you said, navigating that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a nice nice term to use. <laughs> navigating that. So first talk about, because I think this was new, certainly to both you and me, because it wasn't something I'd really heard about. Um, people taking their kids to a psych ER. What circumstances... Um, happen to land you specifically in a psych ER versus like a, a regular emergency room or urgent care? So how we happened there the first time um, is that I had called my child's pediatrician a few days prior and just asked about increasing um, her antidepressant. Mm -hmm. And 
the nurse on the phone was really great. She just said, we absolutely can do that. You know, we're managing her antidepressant, but I do want to let you know that, you know, if her, her system, you know, her symptoms get worse, her depression gets worse, that there is a psych ER and that's where I recommend you take her for that type of issue. And she okay. told me where it was, what hospital it was at and that they were open 24 seven. Um, and it was really nice to know that there was a place for that type of issue because I, it's hard to know when it's a mental health thing, what's an emergency. Yeah. Because, okay, you cut yourself, you're bleeding. That clearly, okay, emergency. Right. You know, chest pain or I think I've had a stroke. Yes, that's definitely an emergency. Right. But, you know, thoughts of I'm really depressed, I'm thinking about ways to kill myself. I have taken a bunch of medications and I don't know what's in them. Like yeah. that, you know, <laughs> that is where we have ended up um, in the psych ER. And, you know, on some of those occasions, because we've been there a few times, um, they send us to the pediatric um, ER first. So okay. like with a medication overdose, they okay. need to make sure that the child is medically all right before we deal with their mental health needs. Okay. So... Um, and that goes for um, cutting as well. My child has needed stitches for that. Mm -hmm. And so that we end up going to the pediatric um, ER prior. And right. once she's cleared medically, then we go to the psych ER. Um, and a little bit about what that's like. I mean, with any emergency room, um, you start with someone triaging or figuring out what you need and how urgent it is. Sure. So um, they would bring my child in to talk with a nurse separately and I would talk with a social worker um, to kind of just talk about the circumstances that brought us there right. and it also gives the child like time to talk without their parent there because really some of them say everything in front of their parents some of them won't say anything in front right. of a parent yep. so they need to do that that separation and then what happens is a psychiatrist will come and talk with um, the child and then with the parent usually separately so that we both have kind of that the ability to talk about things without the other there right um, so that we're open in talking about the situation sure um, so really what happens there is that the psychiatrist and the social worker talk about all the things and then they bring the parent in the room to talk about what the options are okay um, and really, that there's three different options when you go to the psych ER. Um, one, your child's okay to go back home. We've stabilized whatever the situation was, whatever mm -hmm. this crisis is. We've stabilized it. You can take them home. Okay. Um, two, they could set your child up with a partial hospitalization program, which is a day program. Yep. Um, that's usually like a four to six hour a day thing. Um, if they think that your child could benefit from that. Okay. And then the third is the more serious of the situations, and that's an acute psychiatric hospital admission, um, which many of the times is what my child needed right. um, when we were in the emergency room, just given the, the extensive um, harm to self, and the risk of that happening again, um, she really needed a more controlled environment in those times. Sure. So that portion right there, when you go into the ER and you're kind of triaged from a psych perspective with, um, you know, a social worker, a psychiatrist, um, a 
counselor, kind of whoever they have there. How long are we talking about? How long does it take to get through that process? So it depends on how busy they are. Sure. That could happen right away when you walk in, and it could be an hour-long process. Where, okay. I mean, that's pretty efficient, talking with all those people yeah. and them, like, working through all of that information. Um, and then it could actually take two or three hours, you know, before sure. all of that stuff gets done. Um, I'd say they're pretty efficient at that triage part and okay. figuring out what the problem is and what you might need. Okay. Um, then is the tricky part because if you need a hospital admission, that part isn't very smooth at all. Right. Yeah. And that's what we're going to spend our time on. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the conversation is going to spend on that. So after they kind of triage and assess the situation and figure out which one of those options your kid needs next, mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming they come to that conclusion pretty quickly as, you know, they triage, they see what's going on, and then they decide pretty quickly, go home, outpatient program or inpatient program, basically. Um, At that point, then are you still stuck in the ER or are you sent home? Kind of what happens at that point? So at that point, if... The social worker works on whatever the discharge plan is or whatever the plan next is. Okay. So if you're going home, the social worker will put together usually a safety plan, especially Uh if your child came in with depression or self-harm, anything like that. And they do like a safety contract and plans on how you're going to check in with your child and how you're going to manage this as a family. Um, and then the social worker, if you needed any outpatient resources, would work on getting that and getting all the contact information for you if they can't set it up at that moment. Okay. Because sometimes you're there in the middle of the night. Sure. Um, but as far as inpatient, um, if you need that, then the social worker also works on that. They put together what they call a packet, which is basic information about your kid and they submit it to any of the, I want to say there's about 11 um, hospitals in the state of Michigan that will take adolescents okay. um, for psychiatric needs. So they basically send that information to different hospitals and see if they have a place for your child to go. Okay. Um, and the hospital we were at has an adolescent psych unit as well, so that's also a possibility is staying within that facility. Okay. But most of the options are not on site or even close by. Right. And we live in you know, the Detroit suburban area. So right. that's like, you know, the, the largest area in Detroit doesn't have a lot of those options. Right. Largest area in Michigan, I should say. You're, you're, you're still looking at possibly going a couple hours away. Right. To find just a bed. So this process of them sending out information to the different hospitals, at that point, you are just stuck in the waiting room of the psyche ER, correct? Correct. So... The psych ER is set up so that they can monitor everyone there um, for their psychiatric issues. So that at, at this hospital looks like everyone in a large waiting area with cameras in certain places, a bathroom that is safe for anyone that would want to self-harm, right. things that they could do that with are not there. So it's a safer bathroom, um, safer area with really... They, I mean, they check, security checks everyone when they come in, so right. there really aren't items that someone could hurt themselves with there. Um, so there's both the good and the bad. They can handle a lot of patients there at one time with less staff, um, but the bad is when you're waiting for a bed, 
you're in this waiting area with everyone else that's coming and going with their mental health issues. Right. And it's not just children. It's all ages at the psych ER. Okay. So I've seen kids there as young as four all the way up to, you know, adults that are, you know, seniors. Wow. Um, and whatever issues they're there with, um, you, you kind of get to see and overhear. I mean, not for... There are interviews and things. There's consult right. rooms for that. But if there's a behavior they're dealing with or if they're crying or upset or arguing with a family member on the phone, yeah. you are in that room and you're hearing all of that stuff and seeing all of that stuff while you're waiting. While you're in crisis. Right. Basically. basically because you're there. <laughs> because there's a crisis situation yeah. with you know your child. And so to be in that area... When everyone else is in a crisis situation, whether they're adult by themselves or they're, you know, another family with a child, that's a lot. It is to a deal lot. with it. It is, and you sit there twenty four seven, so day and night. There are chairs. There is one couch in the whole waiting area, and then like three of these chairs that are taller and have like padding on the sides, so maybe you could lean against it and sleep. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it's just chairs and so we'll see people pulling chairs together to try to sleep laying on the floor um it's not ers are not meant to be there that long basically right they're meant to triage people and then you move so when you end up waiting there for a bed i mean we've waited as little as a day and a half and i think that was the first time we went in okay and we were like wow that we had to sleep overnight here like that was rough yeah was rough but okay we got our child what she needed she's now an inpatient and we can rest a bit knowing that she's in a safe place right yeah it's still stressful but we know that like her behavior someone's watching them to make sure that she's safe yeah yeah so but you know everybody's stuck in this environment and once you're kind of stuck here and you're in this holding pattern of waiting for a bed to open up somewhere to get a response from one of these 11 hospitals, what is happening? What kind of care is being given? So really, um, they give medications that are already ordered. So that happens. Vital signs are taken, I think, like three or four times a day while you're there. Um, And then the nurse comes by and checks probably about every four or five hours. I hear them check on mood and any pain. Um, just to check in and see how your child is feeling. Um, and then meals, you can order them. Um, they come through the um, hospital cafeteria menu. Right. Um, but what's missing is any sort of therapy like while you're there, which for a day and a half isn't that big of a deal. But when you're talking about waiting multiple days, it becomes a big deal. Yes. And, and tell everyone the longest day you've had in, in the ER. The longest I've stayed in the ER with my child is 11 days. And that's a long time. Oh, yeah. That was a, a very long time. And honest, it, it didn't even occur to me when we got there and we're on like day two or three of waiting that it could potentially take that long. That was the first time we had experienced that length of waiting and also that we had experienced hospitals declining to take our child. Right. Um, which was a real eye-opener, that we're coming there for help, and hospitals are saying, 
no, we can't take her because in the past she's needed a one-to-one -one for her safety. We, we don't have the resources for that. Or hospitals saying she's tried our programming and we don't think that it helps her. So we don't want to admit her. We don't think our services help her. Right. And this was pretty shocking to me, too. I did not realize in the state of Michigan that hospitals can decline you. So <clears throat> in this situation, they can turn you down. So it apparently is this unique scenario with psychiatric care. Um, with medical care, I think that would be a lawsuit yeah. waiting to happen. And so I did actually reach out to the patient advocate um, during one of our last waits there. And I told them that I felt like my child was being discriminated against. Yeah. Um, because really that's how it ends up feeling. So we're sitting there waiting for a bed for her, which they've established she needs and we feel she needs for her safety. We can't take her home because we worry that she's not going to survive that. Right. So here we are sitting and waiting and seeing other people come in around her age, same gender, they're there and they get admitted. Yeah. And that just, after you've been waiting there a couple of days, it brings tears to my eyes every time. Like yeah. the fact that my kid isn't important enough for you to decide to help is right. how it feels. So when I told the patient advocate, you know, I'm like, I feel like we're, she's being discriminated against because of her chronic mental health issues. Right. Um, and they take a discrimination claim pretty seriously. And, you know, what he had said to me was, well, that, that can't be the case. It must just be a misunderstanding, you know, that they, they just maybe don't have a bed ready for her yet. I will call and check on it. I'll get back to you. And I think the patient advocate was a little surprised himself when he got back to me to say, well, I spoke with the director of the, the child psych unit mm -hmm. and they, they don't take patients in the order that they arrive. Right. Um, it, it depends on the needs and the mix of patients on the unit and what, what kind of patients will mix well or go well yeah. there. So lots of factors. Yeah. And I working in healthcare, I, I get that I've been a charge nurse on a medical unit, but at the same time, we don't deny care to someone. Right. Like that patient needs to go on a different unit at that time because of needs. Yeah. But in this case, it was like, no, no one can help your child at this time. Yeah. So And so it's it's almost like because at this point she had, she was in this pattern of, of going to the psyche ER, going to inpatient, going home, and kind of, mm -hmm. you know, cycling in and out. And so they were familiar with her at this point, and it almost works against you because they see this pattern and well, we've tried that. We've tried that. You know, there's nothing else we can do for you. But at the same time, this child is struggling to the point where they're cutting themselves, where they need medical attention at the medical ER first before they go to the psych ER. And then you go to the psych ER and they're pretty much saying, well, no one wants to deal with you. So, <laughs> and I can't imagine. Yeah. <clears throat> So the last time we were there, we actually visited all three ERs at the institution. Okay. We came in and we went to the pediatric ER because my child had overdosed on diet pills. Mm -hmm. And that was a really serious thing. That messed with her heart rhythm. Right. It messed with her electrolytes. She, of course, felt really crummy once it all hit. Um, and so she really needed medical attention right away. 
um, which they did in the in the Peds ER, and then um, Psych actually came over to see her while we were there to do the assessment. And once she was deemed medically stable, which was about maybe 12 to 14 hours after we got there, then they transferred us over to the Psych ER, which is right. just that waiting room. Yep. And really no one saw us over there at that point because they had already assessed her when she was over in the Peds ER. Um, and so there, then we went to wait for a bed. Yeah. Um, and probably at about day two and a half, day three of being there waiting for a bed, um, my child was not feeling well. They couldn't get a blood pressure on her. And when they did, it was like 60s over 40s. She's yeah. like, I just want to sleep. She was not not feeling good. And due to that and due to her not really staying awake so well, they ended up rushing her to the adult ER because it's right across the hallway okay. from the psych ER. So, you know, we went from sitting in that waiting room to bringing her over there, getting x-rays right away, running labs right away, yeah. checking vitals. And, um, you know, thankfully it was nothing serious. They figured it was some sort of like vasovagal reaction where mm -hmm. maybe she was reacting to some pain she was having and... Um, so we ended up back in the psych ER after that. Right. And I would say a day, a day or two after that, we got the worst news we've ever gotten when we've been in the psych ER. And thank you for joining us today. And a big thank you to Christy for coming on and sharing her story. Next week, Christy and I will continue this conversation and you will find out what news you received from the social worker while sitting in the psyche yard. Hang in there. We're all doing the best we can. Have a good week.